Amen. His kingdom is forever. Praise be to God. At this time, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I'll begin reading at verse 10 to verse 20. I'm using a pew Bible that can be found on page 1163. I would encourage you to keep your Bible open uh, during the course of the sermon. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Now hear the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. By the reading of God's holy word, may he grant his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we begin a sermon series on Christian warfare and the necessary battle gear to fight. And we begin with a sermon entitled, Prepare for Battle. We're going to be looking at verse 10 and the first half of verse 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul sets forth the great doctrines of the Christian faith in chapters 1 through 3 in this letter to the Ephesians. The great doctrines described in chapter 1, how God by his electing love chose us before the foundations of the earth to be his to be bought by the blood of Christ, redeemed by Christ, sanctified by the Spirit. Chapters 1 and 3 are some of the most profound words in Scripture concerning our salvation. Salvation that comes from God and is holy of God. Verses or Chapters 1 through 3 establish the foundation or the grounds for the imperatives, the commands in chapter 4. Six. Paul says at chapter 4, verse 1, as I read earlier, what does it say? I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, ur- I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How can he say such a thing? Is that salvation by works? No. He's saying in light of the fact that you have been saved by grace through faith 
in Jesus, in light of the fact that by Christ's blood, Christian, you have been bought and redeemed, secure, and that the Spirit is given to you as an inheritance until the day of redemption, in light of those things, walk in like manner. Walk like Jesus. In chapters 1 through 3, he has some very important questions that he answers. Who are we apart from Christ? Who are we in Christ? And how do we become what we are in Christ? Who were we apart from Christ? Who are we in Christ? And how do we get to where we are in Christ? And it's all of grace. Apart from Christ, we are dead in sin and trespasses. Children of wrath, deserving of condemnation. But who are we in Christ? We are born again. We are new creations. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Spirit has been granted to us as a guarantee of the inheritance to come. We belong to Him. That's who we are in Christ. It's astonishing throughout the letter to the Ephesians how many times Paul uses in Him or in Christ. All the blessed benefits that we have are in Christ. To be in Christ is to be within the sphere of Christ, within Christ, to be found in Him. That's why you are not your own. You are not your own Christian. You belong to Jesus. Because you are found in Him. You are hidden in Christ. Remember when Paul says that? So everything that can be said about Christ is said about you as a Christian redeemed by Christ. But that said, war rages on. Satan attacks and the spiritual forces of evil attack. But we need to be remembered. Now listen carefully. Listen carefully. The fight that we fight, the spiritual battle that we fight, is not a battle or a fight for victory. It's a fight from victory. You following me? In other words, the battle that we fight, we're not fighting to be victorious because we already are. Because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. I mean, didn't Martin Luther beautifully lay that out for us in this hymn? God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. His promise to triumph through us. Yes, we wage war daily. We fight against sin the world, and the devil. But it's not for victory. Rather, we fight from victory. From the standpoint, from the vantage point, that Christ is victorious, and we fight from his victory. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that comforting? Because if it were up to us to fight for victory, that would be problematic. For us. In fact, that's Arminianism. That's man-centered. Christ 
Christians are no longer slaves to sin, no more fear of death, because Satan had a hold over unbelief and unbelievers. He laid this fear of death upon mankind, but Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, destroy this fear of death. But until Jesus comes again, we fight the good fight of faith. Christian warfare requires preparation. You know, in times of peace in a nation, they'll do what? The U.S. military, for example, they'll turn civilians into soldiers or sailors or fighters. Even in times of peace, there's much preparation involved in training the military to prepare them for battle. However, the spiritual battle is nonstop. The spiritual battle is different. It begins from the time of birth. From the time of birth, mankind battles a spiritual fight. Because we live in a broken, sinful world where the forces of evil are all around us and even within our own hearts. It persists and rages until this life is past. So before we get into the armor of God, the battle gear, before we get into knowing the enemy, we need to know how to be prepared for battle. How to be prepared for battle. Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Finally, that word means henceforth. From this time forward, put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord. We need to know, first and foremost, when we prepare for battle, we need to know the necessity of strength. We need to know that strength is needed for the fight. If we have not strength, if a soldier has not strength, he will be useless in the fight, and he will harm other people. First, what is necessary is strength, to be strong in the Lord to fight this spiritual warfare because we are weak. We are weak in the battle against sin. We are weak in the battle against the world and its empty philosophies. We are weak in the battle against Satan. We need strength. It's absolutely essential to fight the spiritual battle within and the spiritual battle without from the outside forces against us with strength. And the history of divine revelation, that is the history of the Bible's teachings, unfolds the cosmic tension between good and evil. Good and evil. Righteousness versus unrighteousness. Justice versus injustice. Truth versus falsehood. The Bible is a constant tension between these things. And it began at Genesis chapter 3. It reveals the war between God and his anointed against the, the devil. Every human being engages in this battle because it's a spiritual battle first and foremost that began in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent of old, that one that was craftier than all the animals or beasts of the field that the Lord had made. Listen, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like who? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve ate and died spiritually and later died physically. God cursed the devil, saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ is here spoken of in this first gospel message in the Bible. And this Christ will be at war against the serpent the devil, and we see this throughout the course of the Bible. The enmity exists in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm with nations and relationships. This battles within your hearts, within your homes, within your relationships, within nations. This battle is all around. Hatred, lies, and death are attempts of the devil through the sons of disobedience. Sinful human beings to attack God's truth, God's character, and God's anointed, the Lord Jesus Christ. This has been happening since the beginning of the fall. And so it's necessary, it's absolutely necessary that we have strength to combat it, to fight against the spiritual forces of evil. For the devil is called the God of this world. The devil is called the father of lies. The father of lies. He is working in the sons of disobedience, says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. The Psalms, for example, the Psalms speak of the righteous and unrighteous. It speaks of the king and the kings of the nations that take up arms against the king. Now surely David and the kings of Judah and Israel were attacked from the nations, but... There's a deeper, profound truth here in the Psalms that this is an attack against God himself, against the anointed himself, Psalm 2. There's a war raging between the king and his enemies, Christ and his enemies. And who do you and I rely upon for strength in this battle? Who do we rely upon? in your weakness. Did we, in our own strength, confide? Our striving would be what? Losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus, as who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the great army, Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies is his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle. We do not confide in our own strength. Our necessity of strength is in the source of our strength. Secondly, the source of our strength is God himself. It is foreign to us because we are weak. 
Paul tells the Christians to be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There's a call to Christians to actively, not passively, be asking God for strength. Relying upon God's strength. Actively. Do you understand what I say when I mean by actively? He doesn't say, sit back and relax and do nothing. Which is sometimes what we, often, what we do, don't we? I can just passively let go and let God. Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, Christian, be strong in the Lord, the source of your strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why his might? Because he is the victory. When his, Luther writes, and he must win the battle, indeed, Luther believes that he won the battle in the cross of Calvary and in his resurrection, but he will win the battle in the last day when he shall come to judge the living and the dead and cast Satan and his enemies into the lake of fire. Hell. But in the meantime, be strong in the Lord, in his victory, in his might, because he is working in us and granting us the comfort and confidence that God is for us and man cannot be against us. You need to preach to yourself. God is for me, therefore no one can be against me. Satan cannot snatch me out of, my, out, of his hand, out of the Father's hands because God is for me. This is his promise. This is the truth concerning me. This is who I am in Christ. And I get this strength from him because we're on the right side of the battle. We're on the winning side, Christian. You see the vantage point on which we are fighting from? The winning side. We don't find strength in ourselves. That's why this word, be strong, also can be translated, be empowered. Be empowered in the Lord. I love what the Apostle Paul says. Turn with me to Ephesians 1, verse 17. Beginning at verse I'll begin at verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Now listen, this power is at work in you, Christian, according to his great might. But listen to what, about this power here at verse 20, that he worked in Christ. 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So the same strength, the same power that inserts the strength in the believer is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so the Spirit who is granted to you is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, His power, because He is the source of your strength. Yes, the fight is hard. You will have wounds. You will have scars. You may even be maimed in battle. You may be accosted. You may be ridiculed, persecuted, yelled at, insults hurled at you. But I'm going to find my strength persevere and fight this good fight of faith by looking to the Lord who provides it. In chapter 3, Paul says something similarly. Chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He goes on to talk about being rooted in love, that we may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What do you find very similar to each one of these passages that I just read? Paul prays. For it. You see how it's active? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Pray for it. Pray, pray, pray. God graciously blesses his people with divine strength. You and I must be diligent to be strong in him, looking to the God who supplies strength. There's an act of obedience on the part of the believer. It's an act of faith on the part of the believer. And so don't be passive, waiting around, doing nothing. Pray, Lord, strengthen me in this trial. Grant me, O Lord, your strength to be strong in this suffering. Grant me, O Lord, your strength in these relationships, these chaotic relationships that I am in. Grant me, O Lord, your strength to fight against my sin, my pride, my arrogance. Grant me, O Lord, to fight against the current culture in which we are in, where Christianity is despised by the world, hated by the world. His truth is hated and despised. Lord, give me the strength 
to keep every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're going to get to that passage later on in the sermon series where the Apostle Paul says he goes forth dismantling, destroying strongholds, empty philosophies of this world. Give me the strength. Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Three times in chapter 1, be strong and courageous. The Psalms speak of be strong in the Lord, Christian. Relying upon His strength. I believe that verse 11a helps us understand even further what he means by be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, or complete armor of God. How do you be strong in the Lord, looking to, to the source of our strength? You put on God. You put on Christ. The same word there, put on, is used earlier in chapter 4. Put off the old man. Put on Christ. Dress yourself up for battle every day by putting on Christ and His righteousness through faith in His name. Wake up every day prayerfully, meditatively, knowing that the day before you is going to be a battle because the devil never quits. And your sinful nature Sin that remains never rests. That's why he says that chapter 5, verse 1, imitate God. God is the strength. He is the source of our strength. And the day-to-day grind against our own sin, the attacks against us from the world and Satan. The Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. And therefore, he could be content in all situations. Any and all circumstances, Paul could be content. Even in prison as he writes, he could be content because Christ who gives him strength. The strength of the victorious one gives him strength. And Christ's grace is sufficient for Paul and is sufficient for you in the battle. His strength, his grace is sufficient for you. It's the divine strength in the person and work of Jesus that destroyed the works of the devil and empowers us to fight against the world and its empty philosophies, the flesh and its passions and lusts, and against the devil and his deceptive schemes. Strength is necessary. The source of strength comes from God himself. The goal of this divine strength is first to stand against the devil's schemes. His schemes are many, and he attacks in many ways. He roams around like a roaring lion. He attacks the mind. He attacks you, wanting you to give into sin, tempting you to get into sin. It's interesting that at chapter 4, he says, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to who? The devil. The devil even attacks you to tempt you in your sinful nature. Give into it. It's good. It's enticing. Give into sin. It's sweet. It's delicious. It'll satisfy you. You'll love it. A 
Oh, the devil's crafty. He stirs up division and disunity in churches and homes and relationships. Scripture even talks about Satan bringing about illnesses and sickness. Job. Jesus talks about it. I think this is a point where we get to be anti-supernaturalists. No, the devil attacks at all fronts, from every angle. And he is indiscriminate in the way he attacks. He doesn't care about civilian casualties. He wants to destroy all of you and me. Now we've got to be careful. We don't look at Satan under every stone or blame Satan for our Moral lapses. We need to stand against the devil's scheme, and we need God's strength for that. That's how you prepare for battle. That's how you prepare for battle. You stand against the devil's scheme. You stand, secondly, against the desires of the flesh, which is an opportunity for the devil. Put on Christ. Pursue righteousness and holy. Be a student of Christ, a student of his word, in prayer, in devotion to him, putting to death the old man, as we read earlier, giving no opportunity for the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thirdly, to stand against the empty and destructive doctrines of demons taught by men. 1 Timothy chapter 4, the devil is at work in the sons of disobedience, we see here. Paul says to Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Satan is, in, is working through unbelief and unbelievers and false teachers and false ideologies, and false philosophers. He's working through the sons of disobedience to destroy. They are secondary means by which he is destroying. There are great evils and spirits at work in the world. All the attacks against Christianity and the church of Jesus Christ are at its very roots against an attack against the Lord and his anointed. And it ultimately is an attack by Satan himself and the demons, working through sons of disobedience, working through men and women who deceive because their consciences are seared against the truth of God and his word. Because by nature, human beings hate God. It's the objective or chief end of men to dethrone God and enthrone self. If you don't believe me, look into your own hearts. You will be like God, says Satan. Humanism, materialism, rationalism, all the isms throughout history attempt to dethrone God and the Christ and enthrone man. 
And we see this today, do we not? Where good is called evil and evil is called good. And there's a hatred towards all things Christian. Karl Marx and Friedrich Engel co-authored the Communist Manifesto. And they wrote this. Listen to what they say. And you want to know why when you watch TV or the news or what's going on in contemporary culture and, and the philosophies and ideologies of this world, and you scratch your head and say, say to yourself, that makes absolutely no sense. Listen to what they say. Undoubtedly, it will be said, religious, moral, philosophical, and judicial ideas have been modified in the course of historical development. But religion, morality, philosophy, political science, and law constantly survive this change. Now listen to what they say. There are besides eternal truths, such as freedom, justice, etc. Freedom, justice, logic, reason, that are common to all states of society, but communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality instead of constituting them on a new basis. So the goal is to destroy law, the law of God, natural law who is, that is created by God himself. God is the God of natural law and God's word, God's law. That's the goal. That's the aim. And Satan is at work to destroy. And he's doing so through the deception of evil men and women, the sons of disobedience. At the very heart, at the very root of it, is from the devil himself and his schemes. So let us not be deceived that the devil roars around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to destroy and entice and to draw into all of these false philosophies and ideologies, all these false religions that are being permeated and propagated in this world today. And those who are in the church are even being sucked into it. Because the language has been manipulated, it has been laundered through academics and through people who seek to destroy. We need to be aware of these things and know that the devil is at work and he's deceptive. He is deceptive. So Christian, prepare for battle because war isn't for the faint-hearted. Soldiers need good equipment and high-tech gear to fight the good fight of faith. And they're provided the necessary battle gear for our soldiers to fight in the most hostile of nations and circumstances, in the most hostile terrain and environment. If we don't put on God's armor, if we don't put on God's, ar God's armor, we're going to be eaten alive. Are you preparing for battle? Have you been preparing for battle? Have you first been seeking the Lord in his strength? Are you praying, Lord, give me strength in you to fight this battle? In the coming Lord's Day, we will examine God's battle gear for us to fight the good fight against the flesh, against the world, and against the devil. In the meantime, be praying. Be praying. 
Bend your knee before the Father, as Paul does. Bend your knee before the Father, asking God that by his might, he may strengthen you for the fight that you're in and the fight that you will continue to be in until the Lord calls you home. Meanwhile, we fight a spiritual battle, not with weapons of warfare, but in prayer, supplication putting on God's armor. We'll look at it coming up. Amen. O gracious God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, spiritual warfare is very real because Satan rages. He knows his doom is sure. He knows Christ is victorious. And that in Christ, we too are victorious. Because he has overcome the world, it is our faith that has overcome the world, because our faith is in him. And yet the Lord Jesus reminds us that in this world you will have trial, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome. And so help us not to look to ourselves and our weakness. Help us to look to your strength. As we prepare for battle day in and day out, we pray that we would look to your strength and not our own. That we will put on Christ. Put on the whole armor of God. And so keep us vigilant, Lord. Keep us active. Keep us close to you. As we learn of you and learn from you in your most holy word, which is the sword of the Spirit. Oh God, we pray this in Jesus' name.